Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 17th chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. How many of you watched the Super Bowl last week? Anybody watch the Puppy Bowl instead? We did not, but we keep getting... Okay, one. My wife actually loves watching that. We didn't watch it this year. We keep getting ads for it, though. So if you watched the Super Bowl, which is most of you, did you watch it more for the game or for the ads? Heard some of each. Okay. Kristen and I were getting back from the quake weekend in the Dells. We'll hopefully have a few pictures from that at the end of the service. So I only watched about half the game. That still included plenty of commercials. And there is something odd about having commercials for Jesus during the Super Bowl. I actually really liked them. I thought they were very well done. I know there's some controversy around them, but I thought they were well done. My, I thought the most entertaining ad was the Ram electric truck one, if you saw that one. And there weren't many others that stuck out to me, but there was one with sort of a horror movie theme, had a bunch of rabbits dragging people down into holes. Anyone remember that one? I couldn't remember. I remembered the ad the next day when I was working on the sermon. I couldn't remember what it was for, (laughs) so I'm not sure how effective it was, but it was a great literal image of rabbit holes. And if you're trying to remember, it was a streaming service called Tubi, that otherwise you're going to be wondering about that the rest of the service. My point is, there are a lot of rabbit holes that we could go down today with the story of Jesus' transition. We could focus on the significance of mountains in the Bible. I think the people who selected the lectionary readings for today kind of went down that rabbit hole. In that first reading from Exodus, we heard about God calling Moses to go up onto a mountain, right? Up to a mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And on that mountain... Moses encountered God's glory, and that happens a lot in the Bible when people go up mountains. In fact, for the last few readings, our scripture, our gospel readings for the last few weeks have come from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. 
Later, Jesus will pray on the mountain of olives. Eventually, he'll ascend into heaven from there. There are lots of stories about encountering God on hills and mountains. So that's one rabbit hole. We're not going to go down it. Another direction we could go would be to focus on the character of Peter in this story. And we heard in that other reading sort of Peter's account of what happened on the mountain. Thank you for pointing that out, Robin. Peter is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And this story, this transfiguration story, is one of the reasons I love him. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, three of the disciples, up with him, up a high mountain. And as they're up there, Moses and Elijah appear. And Moses and Elijah, remember, are these great figures from Israel's history, some of the greatest people who have ever lived. Peter grew up hearing about them. This would be like Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King and George Washington appearing to us, something like that. These are the people that he knows about, that he's heard about his whole life. And suddenly, here they are chatting with Jesus. And Peter... Peter gets overwhelmed, and when Peter gets overwhelmed, he talks. You might say he's a verbal processor, right? And he starts babbling. Look, this is great. I'm so glad you're here. This is amazing. I'm really glad I could have been here for this opportunity. What a great thing to be happening. I don't want this experience to ever end. Let's set up some tents. We can just camp here. We'll never leave. We'll build shelters right here on the mountain. We'll just hold on to this amazing moment. And so the rabbit hole we could go down is that this is not the only time Peter reacts like this. Peter, I love Peter, he does not worry about practical things like how they're going to survive there on the mountain or how long they're going to stay or how Moses and Elijah are there in the first place. He doesn't worry about whether they even need shelters. He just goes for it like he always does. Remember, Peter is the first of the disciples to identify Jesus as Messiah, to just speak out loud what they're all thinking. He's the one on the night Jesus is betrayed who will pull out his sword and defend Jesus. Peter's the one who steps out of the boat and tries to walk on water. Peter is enthusiastic, he's impulsive, and he is the rock Jesus chooses to build his church on. We could do a whole character study just on Peter. But what I want to focus on this morning, I do have a point, is the end of the story, the very last verse of the gospel reading. Not the very end, not where Jesus tells them not to tell anyone. One more rabbit hole. Sometimes I think that we take that phrase in verse 9 there very seriously. Jesus ordered them, tell no one. And sometimes we stop there, right? We can be very good at keeping Jesus' story a secret, Maybe that's part of why it seems so strange to have Super Bowl ads trying to tell the story. But what Jesus actually says is, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. He's saying, for now, hold on to the story. Take some time to process. It's not time to go and tell yet. He's saying that it won't make sense until you know what's really going on, until the rest of the story unfolds, until Jesus is raised from the dead, until Easter, this vision, this experience doesn't really matter. 
There are a lot of spiritual experiences people have, right? And even more that people claim to have. There are a lot of people in Jesus' day, and I suppose in our day as well, who claim to be speaking for God, or even claim themselves to be God. At Jesus' baptism, the disciples heard God's voice from heaven confirm his identity, say, this is my son, the beloved. And here on the mountain, they hear that same confirmation again. But for the world, their testimony is still not enough. That's still not proof. And so Jesus says, don't even bother spreading the news about who I really am until the proof is in. And the proof is the resurrection. The proof is the empty tomb. Jesus is the only one who claimed to be God, claimed to have power over death, claimed the authority to offer everlasting life, and then came back from the dead, and then proved that he had that authority. The resurrection proves the truth of who Jesus is. And we know the rest of the story, right? Easter has happened. The Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And so now is the time to go tell people about our experience, about Jesus. But again, that's another rabbit hole, not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the few words at the beginning of that verse, Read that highlighted part, the first few words with me. As they were coming down the mountain, stop there. Jesus came down the mountain with his disciples. That's what I want to talk about. Peter, James, and John go up the mountain. They have this incredible encounter with God. Their eyes are opened. They experience the same kind of thing that Moses did where Moses had climbed up the mountain of God and the Lord spoke to him and the glory of the Lord surrounded him like a cloud. And in that story from Exodus, when Moses comes down the mountain, we heard about him going up, right? And then he stays there for another eight chapters or so. God has a lot of instructions for him, not just the Ten Commandments, but all the plans for building a tabernacle and setting up the priesthood. Eight chapters later, when Moses comes down off the mountain, comes down from his encounter with God, he discovers everything is falling apart. The Israelite people that he's supposed to be leading to the promised land, they've gotten tired of waiting for him. He told them in the part we read today, I'm leaving these elders with you. Go to them if you have problems. I'll be back. They get tired of waiting, and they build this golden calf to worship. Remember this from confirmation? You're nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Things were going great up on the mountain but coming back down into the world for Moses is a shock. And he gets so upset, he actually shatters the Ten Commandments, the tablet that God had written the Ten Commandments on. But even though the people have disobeyed, even though Moses himself is ready to throw in the towel, God doesn't give up on him. God doesn't give up on the people. And so in chapter 34 of Exodus, God actually makes a replacement set of the Ten Commandments tablets and calls Moses back up the mountain to retrieve them. And after that trip up the mountain the second time for Moses, Moses' face is glowing. He is transfigured. He's transformed by his encounter with God. Sometimes you and I get that kind of mountaintop faith experience, right? Sometimes 
There's moments in our lives when we feel God's presence with us. I hope that Quake last weekend was one for some of the people who went, some of the youth who went. But eventually, we come back down the mountain, back to everyday life. So this transfiguration story of Jesus up on the mountain tells us Jesus is with us in everyday life too, in the mundane parts of life, not just on the mountains, but down in the plains. Jesus is present on the mountaintop experiences, in those moments when everything just feels right and sacred. You can sense God's presence surrounding you like a cloud, maybe even hearing a voice from God. And Jesus is also present with us in the valleys, in the very lowest points of our lives, the times when everything is falling apart. In that moment on the mountain when the disciples are afraid, it says they fall to the ground and are overcome by fear, Jesus comes to them and touches them and says, get up and do not be afraid. He is with them. Jesus coming down the mountaintop with his disciples is this little tiny detail in the story. But it points to the whole reason Jesus came in the first place, right? Jesus came, God became incarnate, Jesus stepped down out of heaven to come to be with us, to enter into this world, to enter into our lives, to walk with us. Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. And there's a strain of theology that takes that promise and tries to say that Because Jesus is with us, Christians should believe everything that happens, happens for a reason. You ever hear that? There's a bit of it in that song we just sang. I like that song, but I'm going to pick on it a little bit. It's a fine line because we do believe God is powerful. We believe God is good. We believe God is present and acting in this world. But the promise in this transfiguration story is not that everything happens for a reason that there's meaning and purpose in every moment. The promise, the hope in this story is that Jesus goes down the mountain with us. And if you keep reading the story in the Gospels, this moment of transfiguration doesn't really change much. It doesn't make everything all better. As soon as Jesus gets down from the mountain, a few verses later, he's going to find a people, a crowd of people, who are in need, waiting for him, waiting for him to help them. And he enters the crowd, and right away this father is there begging Jesus to heal his demon-possessed son who's suffering from seizures. Jesus gets no rest. The disciples get no rest when they come down the mountain. It's right back into the needs of the world. Beloved of God, Jesus enters into the broken parts of our lives too. We can trust our God to be with us. As we just sang, even if it feels like there's an ocean separating us from Jesus, he continues to hold on to us, continues to hold on and refuses to let go. The song says, we believe there is purpose, there is meaning in everything. Yes, there is purpose and meaning to life because God can redeem every situation. The story is still unfolding, as we'll sing in a little bit. God is at work for good in the midst of all situations. But everything does not happen for a reason. 
Do not try to tell me that 41,000 plus people dying from an earthquake is part of God's plan and there's a reason for it that God has ordained. Don't tell me that God just decided to strike family members of mine with cancers and dementia so that I could learn some lesson or appreciate life more or something. No, God is not the one doing that. Sometimes bad things just happen, and there is no answer. There is no reason why other than that we live in a broken world. A broken world that God loves enough to come and to redeem. I don't have all the answers for why bad things happen. Neither does anyone else. In fact, I'd argue theodicy, that's the word for why do bad things happen for good pe- to good people, I'd argue that theodicy questions of predestination versus free will and suffering and all that are the ultimate theological rabbit hole. Every rabbit hole is eventually going to lead there. So let it be enough to trust that God comes down the mountain into our world, that God is with us always, that the Holy Spirit is present and working. Let it be enough to gratefully accept those rare moments of revelation and transfiguration, those glimpses that we catch of God and God at work, and to be grateful for the work God does, the work that Jesus does on the plains, in the valleys, in the everyday, as well as on the mountaintops. To be grateful to be here, trusting that in the midst of darkness, the light of God's love continues to shine. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, You can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you and we hope you'll join us again soon.